Hey guys, welcome back to the homework assignment. I'm your host, RJ Patino. And today, again, we're gonna discuss how to find the balance between work life and home life. We have a guest here today, Blake Clark with Limitless Realty. Um, he's agreed to join us and kind of break down really what his business is and how he runs it and some of the things he's learned along the way about running a magnificent team, building a team, scaling his business, and really getting down kind of to the nitty gritty on how he personally is able to balance his home and work life. So Blake, welcome. Thanks, appreciate you guys having yeah, me, man. Excited. Being here. Um, so tell us a little bit about Limitless Realty. What, what, what do you guys got going on? Guys yeah, so we, uh, we've been open just a little over two years. So when we opened it, I've been in real estate since 2015. Started off as a solo agent, started a team at the end of 2017, going into 2018. Did that all the way through uh, 2020, mid-21, and that's when we launched Limitless Real Estate. And so just passed our two-year mark in May. Fantastic. Uh, How many, got um, 68 agents as of today that work for us. That's yeah. freaking fantastic. And like I said, we were just having a conversation, I think, well, like two months ago. How many did you have? You got we it. Quite right a few, 30, right? 38, I think, right around there. Yeah. yeah so, so almost double. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Yep. So obviously, you've worked in real estate for a while and you've been a part of some different companies, right? Yes, I have. So what made you kind of want to break off and start your own thing? Um, so it's, it's interesting because like I told everybody when I got into real estate, I had zero intentions of doing real estate, <laughs> which is funny because I tell people that, but it's, uh, I started off because I was working corporate America, had the 401k, had all that stuff, uh, lost my job. Uh, and then I basically found myself kind of doing some freelancing stuff in between. I was doing some marketing for a chiropractic office. I was running a uh, phone dialer system for a big call center for a while there. Did that. Um, then I'd started a couple e-commerce businesses at the time. So I was kind of doing a little bit of everything, but I didn't have that like retirement and still being young at that time. I was in my mid twenties, 25, 26. And I was like, I got to do something, you know, it's still early enough in time. Uh, so I wanted to basically get into flip properties and rental properties is what it was. So I got my real estate license solely to just buy properties. And even then I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. I did it just because everybody I was watching that was like wealthy, they all seemed to own real estate. And I was yeah, like, yeah. I didn't even know what it really meant. They're just like, yeah, if you want to be wealthy, own real estate. And yeah. so I, I, I hate to tell people that because I really went into this thing blind. Uh, but when I went into it, it was, it was really good because I am really good with like numbers and sales and um, the problem with real estate is everybody's really emotionally attached to it, right? Like people buy houses, it's where they raise their families, they yeah. raise their kids there. So it's always an extremely emotional process where for me, it's not, it's just an asset. I've always looked at it that way. I'm like, it's just a house. Like you yeah. can buy it, sell it, flip it, turn it into more money, buy something bigger, buy something smaller. So I always literally looked at things as like just a game of monopoly. That's it. Like, how can I buy a property? How can I improve it? So uh, Michaela and I, my wife, when we had bought properties, I had bought one that was a foreclosure, my very first house at 22 years old, uh, picked it up. It was ugly as all heck. And I lived in it and fixed it up and sold it. When I met her, I'd rented it out for a little while before we sold it, lived in her house, fixed it up. We bought one that was a massive fixer upper. So we'd gone and flipped about two to three properties that we had personally lived in before we got to the house we're at now. So we could save up enough money for a down payment for it to make sense. Um, and then just doing so well from like a numbers perspective, it just naturally turned into a couple friends reached out to me, did a good job, did a good job, uh, threw in a little bit of marketing and consistency and all the things I learned from corporate America that I structured my personal business. Cause that's a problem. A lot of entrepreneurs that get into real estate, uh, they don't have any structure. They yeah. just, I'm into it cause I'm free. And in reality, that's actually what makes you fail. You have to be structured and disciplined and treat it like a job, yeah, especially. Yeah. For, yeah. I mean, they see these guys that have been doing this for 20 years. 
that are on the beach drinking the pina coladas and they think they can go from point a to point b so i never saw things that way and then for there it just took off you know yeah. just slowly compounded 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 and uh, by year three i was ready for a team yeah. so yeah 100 so like i that kind of carries into like yeah you're talking about like your systems where you operate your company obviously mm-hmm. um, i always kind of tied into like football um I, I saw a lot of players like you know that went to nfl and stuff like that that were great and then they you know, would want to coach afterwards and they can't necessarily do it. They had the talent, they had the skill, but they didn't know how to coach. They didn't know right. how to do that, right? So, um, you know, running a business is way different than working in a business, yep. in, in, right, in my opinion. So yep. kind of digging in a little deeper to that, we had a conversation a few weeks back where you talked to me kind of about your, your background a little bit and you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, all these other companies you work for didn't really have a culture. And so you mm-hmm. were really wanting to build a culture. So what is yep. your guys' culture at Limitless? We have a culture, basically, it's very family-centric, so it's just, you know, I, I, I made a rule for myself when I left corporate America and I decided to start my own business. I didn't want to walk through the doors and work with people I just didn't like or could yeah, work yeah. with. Like, And that's uh, kind of the cool thing about when you build a business, you kind of have that choice. Now, you have to be realistic with it and you can't just say, hey, you know, everybody's just like me. We do this really stupid exercise. I tell people all the time, but when people come into my company, we ask them, you know, what animal are you? Like, you get four choices. Are you a lion? Are you a monkey are you a puppy or are you an owl and they always look at me like what the hell are you talking about but one of my business coaches that i had had back in the day taught me that question because he's like the problem is if you hire a bunch of yous what's your what are you strong suit like really when you lay down on paper we're all amazing at some things and we're horrible right and we fall somewhere in the middle of that spectrum based on what type of a personality profile we have so for me i'm a high d high driver like always very good to go for results but the problem is is somebody like me i'll i'll stack body bags right like it's just yeah. one of those things like i care about the end result so much so one would identify as like a lion right in that in that uh, scenario problem is i'm not detailed i'm not organized <laughs> i'm not structured uh, i'm not really all that analytical in most cases it's just wake up every day here's the end result we're going to get that end result uh, but if i have a bunch of guys with me that's great we're going to get a lot of sales and i did when I, back when i first started my first sales team at, at one of my corporate jobs i hired a bunch of guys like me guess what sales were amazing customer service sucked follow-up sucked client retention sucked uh conversion rates sucked you know all that sucked because yeah we were great at this end but we didn't have the back end details every successful business needs both sides of that for every person that's a massive driver you need a little bit of people behind the scenes that can tie it all together for you and structure it uh, you need basically have the visionary and the integrator right that's really what it is and i didn't figure that out for a lot of time so now when we come in we really have a clear expectation and idea of, hey, what do I need in this business? What are, we, what are we heavy on? Are we heavy on drivers? Do we need a little bit of people to tie behind? When we look at a position that needs filled, I don't really look at it necessarily as like, like I just hired somebody, for example, my personal assistant, but I didn't say, hey, I need a personal assistant. I said, here's all the things that I need that I'm lacking in in my business. What would this person look like personality-wise that can fill those gaps for me? And then I basically took the skill set and filled it in there. And that's how we hire people now. So we build the culture out based on what we need. Are we are we high on a bunch of owls right now? I got a bunch of analytical people sitting around that need some drivers behind them. Okay, let's bring in some drivers. So when you start to build an organization that way, you really build it more of like a masterpiece yeah. is what it is because you can kind of paint what you need in there instead of just taking anybody in the door, you know? Yeah, 100%. No, that's fantastic. Um, you And you mentioned Michaela a second ago, so obviously she's your wife, right? Mm-hmm. So how does her being in business with you 
really affect your like home life? Like what's, what's your home and yeah. work schedule and how does that intertwine? It was a massive struggle. I'll be honest. So when we met, we worked together. We, we met at corporate America. Uh, we had different roles and we were in different departments. So we never really worked together. We just rode to work together, which is super cool. Uh, but then when we actually started working together, we used to butt heads a lot. It was, it was really, really bad for a while. Um, she's like, I'm more of like a driver, not organized, careless type person, big picture visionary. She's very much a details, organized, structure type person. And so you guys know how that goes, yeah, opposites yeah. attract, whatever. But um, the problem was where we really struggled at in business, and this is where I think where a lot of couples is, is that they always try to overstep their boundaries in business. So for example, she would try to step in and overtake the trainings and overtake the things that I was really good at and just frustrate the hell out of me. Yeah. I would come in and overtake things that she was really good at, like organizing. I'd be like, oh, that's not important. Don't worry about it. Da, da, da. And we were just, there was just no gray area. We had the same talk. We would sit down uh, a couple years ago and we said, listen, if we're going to do this, especially when we open the brokerage up, she wanted to go in and be behind the scenes, the ops. And she does really good on sales on her own, by the way, but she's not like the, hey, every day get out and kill type guy like I am. But we basically clearly defined, hey, this is what you're super good at. This is your role within the business. Here's what I'm super good at. This is what's important to me. This is what's important to me. I just stay out of her lane now. I say, hey, this is a you thing. You, t-, you know, if you need my input, ask. And then she does the same for me. And ever since we had that uh, dynamic of like, this is our roles and I respect your role, you respect my role and together it works very well, uh, things really smoothed out for us at that point. So Yeah, and I think that's super important. Like that, that took me a while to learn, especially when I, like when we were growing our business here at Elder, trying to figure out like, okay, hey, I want to, I need this here and I want to bring someone in. And maybe that wasn't their talent. Yep. And really having to step back and be like, okay, this is their talent. If I put them here, they're going to be able to excel even more. And mm-hmm. on top of that, they love what they do and they know Got what it. they're good at. So their drive is, you know, tenfold compared to over here where they may not really like that as much, right? Or feel like they're not good at it. So yeah, that, that's a great point. Um, I was listening to, I think it was one of your stories on Facebook um, and or Instagram, whatever the case is. And you were talking about, you know, you're, you get up at like 3 a.m. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So, and you were talking about creating that time for yourself. Yeah. So how, why is that important in your life to have that time for yourself? Well, the, the, I mean, here's the thing. When you start to grow a business and this isn't even for business owners, this is anybody. Six, seven o'clock in, in the morning, the world needs you. Like, and so I tell people, like, at some level, the world needs you. Either your boss is going to need you, your job's going to need you, your spouse is going to need you. In my case, kids, all the things, right? I get my kids up from school. So, a lot of people like to make the excuse, I just can't get up early in the morning. And then they complain when they don't get to do self-development. They complain when they don't get to go to the gym. And really what it is, is when you look at a lot of people that don't have that balance, like what we're talking about, balance between work and life, it's because they're spending a lot of time at work and they're spending a lot of time not doing things for themselves. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's selfish to do things for yourself. What I did was I built it into my schedule where my first three hours of the day are my self time. It's not taking away from anybody else. You know, my kids are still asleep. Uh, my wife was still asleep as of recently. She's actually been getting su- up, going to the gym with me early too. But for the longest time, I would get up at three, go do my morning cardio, you know, do a couple mile jog in the morning, walk, listen to my podcast, my personal development, listen to audio books. I'll go do that, then go to the gym and lift weights, right? So all my fitness, all my personal development, all my me time, I got three hours dedicated to solely me before the expectation of me giving myself back to the rest of the world. Now I'm, I'm, I've got myself taken care of. I'm in the right frame of mind because truth be told, every day I wake up, I'm not in a great mood. Like, you know, things happen. You're a business owner. You're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders every day. You got a lot of responsibility as it is as a husband, dad, all the things. So 
there's no way that I can't get up in the morning and I'll wake up like a crabby asshole. Like I'll be honest, some days I'm just frustrated where after listening to a podcast for an hour, getting two miles of cardio and going to the gym, lifting weights, getting cleaned up, getting a shower. And then my kids wake up that I'm not already in a good mood. I got all the, all my personal issues have been completely sorted out within the first two, three hours of my day. And everybody's like, how are you so positive every morning? Well, I took two to three hours to work on myself every friggin' morning. And a lot of people hear that and they're like, oh, it's just a pain in the butt to get up two hours early. Well, you know, try giving yourself personal time, buy your time back. Your life will feel a whole lot balanced because now when you have an entire day and you lay your head down at night, it doesn't feel like I spent my whole day giving it to other people. No, I got two, three hours to give to myself. I felt great. I got myself aligned with where I needed to be. I got my attitude. Now I can focus on the rest of my day giving to everybody else the highest and best version of myself. Yeah, 100%. I think that's a lot of things that people like, you know, growing up in my business, seeing other business owners, meeting people that you know that are starting their own type of business stuff, that was a big portion that was missing. And a lot of the people that you know I started my business around, they don't have theirs now. And right. I think a big part of that is like the self development, not creating that yeah. time for yourself. You'll burn um, out. You'll yeah, burn out real burn fast. Out very quick. So yeah. and so you go to the gym, obviously. Like, how has that affected your business? Being able to go to the gym and actually exercise. It all ties into everything, right? Like you can't. You can't operate from a high place of confidence, self-value, if you don't look and feel good about yourself. Right. Especially me, I'm in a sales position. Really, we're all in sales position. If you work for a company, you got to sell yourself, you got to sell your skills, you got to sell your knowledge. Uh, it doesn't matter what you do. Every day, if you wake up and you look in the mirror and you can't be happy or proud with who you are, right? Whether that's mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, if you can't look at you as a solid pillar, how do you expect anything around you to be held up? You're the foundation of everything around you. So you can make a choice and say, I'm going to fix everything. I'm going to fix myself first because no matter how much you try to fix in your business, fix everything, you're the pillar of that. And if you can't set aside time to fix that, so for example, me going to the gym, staying in shape, well, I like having high energy. I like being, you know, I don't want to be freaking sluggish. I don't want to be out of shape. I don't want to be in the doctor's office all the time with high blood pressure or anything like that. I want to look at myself in the mirror and say, yeah, I've got high confidence. I look good. I'm in shape. Uh, you know, I'm working on my thought process every day. I'm working on my mindset. I'm working on my knowledge so that every day I'm basically showing up as the highest and best version of myself. That's going to pour into every aspect of your business and life. Yeah. 100%. Do you, so your kids, I know what, what age are your kids? Uh, my oldest is 15. My youngest right underneath that is 13. And then the youngest one below that's nine. So, so did they participate with you guys in like, like any exercise or anything like that? Not necessarily. They still sleep and they're teenagers and they're yeah. in that super cool lazy phase at the moment. Uh, with that being said, they're all super active though. Like yeah. both my daughters are in competitive cheer. My son plays football and all that. They're just not on board with the 3 a.m. schedule yet, yeah. but they'll get there. Yeah. Cause I, I was asked last <laughs> week like, Hey, you know, for business owners that are you know so busy running a business and like for you, your wife, you know, is in, intertwined in your mm -hmm. business and stuff, you know, some people are like, okay, you know, you know, people may be at home taking care of the kids. Well, my opinion, the kids can watch their parents, right? That yep. example they say, and that's yep. what they're really going to feed off of 100%, yep. you know? So uh, I was just curious about that. Well, that's fantastic. So for, you know, going back to the balance of home and work life, um, when you were a kid, what was your vision of your work life and home life like growing up? Like what was your want and need? Did you have something figured out? Is this always what you wanted to do or... No, I didn't like, I wish I could tell people that I don't have that story of like, oh, I knew I was going to be in real estate when I grew up. Yeah. Right. Like, so background was like just crazy. It was just, I don't know. Like it's, it's interesting because I look back at it and everybody likes to throw these words around like trauma and all this shit today. And I just, it's just life. Like I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't get tied up and let that lean on me. Stuff happens. And there's always somebody out there that has a worse story than mine. Right. And too many people like to get in these, uh, 
these these competitions and contests today of the woe is me and I've had a worse story. This shit happens, right? (laughs) Some people are worse, some people are better. Like none of that matters. It really just hey, where did you pick up the the torch at and where do you start running, right? That's really what matters. Work with what tools you got. When so when I grew up, we grew up in Vegas. That's where I was born and raised at. My dad, hardworking dude, owned a little concrete business, nothing major, like literally one truck and like three of his buddies. And they used to pour concrete and sidewalks and stuff like that. Uh, When I was seven, I have a sister who's one year younger. She was six and I have a little brother who was four. He ended up passing away. Basically, my dad had had an old, it was like a 64, 65 Chevy pickup. And we would ride when my dad would back in the yard every day from coming home from doing concrete work. We'd we'd jump on his bumper and we'd back in the yard. He had a little ball hitch, like a two-inch ball hitch. And my little brother, we were both standing on the bumper and his foot slipped and he did a face plant on the ball hitch. And the ball hitch went basically through his eye socket. And so I'd saw that and, you know, beat on my dad's door. And so my dad stops. And it's crazy because I I was seven and I can remember that those yesterday. That was one of my craziest childhood things, you know. So did that. My dad went into a crazy depression because my brother had unfortunately passed away from that. Uh, we lived in a rental property for six months and got evicted from that. And we literally ended up in Arizona with 500 bucks in our pocket. My mom was out here uh, back in 96 doing campaigning for a guy. There's a guy running for state senator. My mom was like an admin support helping out with that. So they had an office over off of Indian school. And so at that time, <laughs> my dad basically didn't even tell her. Like he literally had a yard sale. Everything that didn't sell, we just threw in a U-Haul and we got like 500 bucks from the yard sales, just what we had left. Our old 64 Chevy Suburban and this like old, I was like an 86, 87 Cadillac Eldorado. That's what we had left. So we literally showed up in Arizona, told my mom, my dad's like, we're here, we're going to figure it out. We don't know. And luckily the guy, when we got here that my mom was working for, let us stay in his office building. He had a little... uh, it's like a little building in downtown Phoenix. And he's like, you guys can stay there. So we stayed there for a couple weeks. My dad got a job doing uh, underground utilities, digging tractor, backhoe type work and stuff like that. We ended up in South Phoenix renting a property. Uh, we didn't know South Phoenix was South Phoenix at the time. So we stayed there, uh, had two of our cars stolen within an eight month period. Uh, nothing fancy. They One car, they we woke up one morning, it was just gone. They took it and lit it on fire, <laughs> took it for a joyride. Bought another one as like this old 80, I think it was like an 89 or 90 Buick Saber, nothing crazy. Literally four months later, they stole that and they found it out in the desert, smashed up with like three other cars. And then the breaking point, we were at El Prado School or El Prado Park. It was right there on like 19th Avenue in Dobbins area. My sister and I were at a swim meet. Some gang got in a shootout. It was like a Saturday morning. A couple gunshots broke out in the park. All my parents were like, well, he's got to get the hell out of here. So my dad happened to be doing a job site all the way out in Maricopa, Arizona. This is, mind you, this is like back in 96, 97. Nothing out there. Nothing out there. Uh, he was he was doing a job site. And he goes, you know, I found this really this great deal on this trailer. It was like a single wide, like six seven hundred square foot trailer out there that we could get into, and they were willing to do like an owner finance situation on for my dad on like three acres. That's where we moved. Bought this little single wide trailer out there. I remember them taking me out there because mind you, I grew up in like Vegas at the yeah. time, so it's like you know, my dad was concrete business and did kind of DJing on the side of these little dive bars at night to pay the bills. To like we go out there, and I kid you not, going down like the highway, there's a guy on a horse. I'm like, what the hell? is this out here this is out in the middle of freaking nowhere <laughs> so we went to school that's where we moved we grew up i moved out there i think i was like seventh grade eighth grade and we went to a two-way school elementary middle high school was all there my graduating class i graduated in 03 i think there was only like 30 40 of us oh, wow, yeah cool. tiny school our graduation was over in like 30 minutes <laughs> uh principal lived across the street and yeah so that's where i grew up so you know to to tie all that together, I I had a conversation with my friend actually on the way here. Uh, he grew up out there and he owns an extremely successful AC company. He comes from a very similar background, like grew up out there on his parents worked the farms and he grew up in a, a little house out there and stuff. Is he the guy that just came and fixed your AC? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So 
him and I were literally chatting. He just called me. He's like, hey, I was going on the freeway and there was this Lambo and I was trying to race him. I thought it was you. And, you know, we started laughing because he's like, it's crazy because we both like, you know, we're two very successful people that came out of this little town. And so um, I was talking to him about it and, and, and we got on the topic. But to, to really circle back to all of this is, is that I just got really freaking tired of not having, you know, I grew up and it was always can't afford this, can't have this. Got my first job at 12 years old washing airplanes because it was the only thing that was out there. It's an interesting job. Yeah, it was a glider ride place out there. So it was, it was within three miles of my house. So I used to get up at five in the morning and ride my bike down there. And I'd wash airplanes in the morning when I was 12 and I'd stay there. I worked for two bucks an hour and wow. I got tips on the weekends and then I'd push the airplanes back. So I did that, uh, picked melons in the melon field, just did whatever I could. But I got, it's just one of those things like, I would see people that were successful and and I never really understood that it was always just seemed like there was this massive gap, you know, um, and I truly believe that's why I like who I am today. I try to pour into so many like kids and stuff like that is just trying to be that bridge because it's it's really it was just a matter of I didn't know anybody successful growing up. I grew up like with people that were just average blue collar. Like I literally had nobody that was like, oh, I make really good money. This is how you do it. Right. They could really show me how to build. Yeah. How to build that bridge from here to here. Like, how do you get from here? I didn't have that. And so I just had this crazy, relentless drive. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I, you know, I started off doing construction, underground utilities, dirt work. I got very lucky. I got a random phone call one day from a lady that I used to go to school with that had a job at University of Phoenix. And that was my very first sales job. Didn't know what I was doing. She's like, you want a job? I was like, doing what? And she was like, just making calls to people. I'm like, <laughs> is it in the air conditioning? I remember I was sitting in Fountain Hills in a freaking backhoe digging a ditch for Cox, putting in fiber optic line. It was July hundred and something degrees out. And I'm like, is it an AC? She's like, yes. How much? She's like 13 bucks an hour or something. I'm like, done. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll try. I don't even know what I'm doing. I'll try. You know, that was the first time I ever even had a pair of dress pants. Like it was just, she's like, you gotta wear dress clothes. I'm like, I got jeans and work boots and stuff. Uh, and I thought it was the easiest thing ever. I'm like, yeah. this is a cakewalk job. Like I used to make 11 bucks an hour digging freaking ditches and laying asphalt. And you're telling me I could work in the AC and make 35 grand a year and go to school for free. Like, yeah, so I just killed it. I'm like, yeah. this is so much better, you know? Um, and so, you know, I guess if I had to really summarize it, I, you just take opportunity as it comes. You know what I mean? You, I don't, it's really hard to map out. You know, when I hear these kids that are like 20, you're like, I'm going to go do this. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of things I thought I wanted to do and I tried it and it's like, I just don't love that. It's yeah. just not what I'm good at. And then, yeah. And then now, I mean, it's, it's really true. You kind of build a life you want. Like for me, it's just a, my life's an entire game of monopoly. I literally buy houses, sell houses, market houses, buy rental properties, fix them up. It's a shit ton of fun. It's so fun to me. Like, and I love it. Like I don't get tired of, you know, the hardest days, you know, I want to go home and not talk to anybody, but I finally, it, but that was never on my radar when I was a kid. Yeah. I never grew Hey, I want to be a real estate agent when I grew up and everybody wants to be an astronaut or a cop or some stuff like that. It's just opportunity comes and a better opportunity comes and a better opportunity comes and you find something a little more that you like and a little more of it you like, and you really identify, I don't like this. I'm going to go do something different until you find something you just love and happen to make good money at, and you can be really good at it. It's not, I wouldn't even say it's passion because to be honest, like my passion is building cars and working on cars. I don't do that for a living, you know yeah. what I mean? Because eventually I get tired of it. But I'm really good at real estate, and it pays pays me good, you know, between the two, and here's where I am now. So and now you can use that to go build cars. You got right? it, 100%. <laughs> you're yep. building one right now. I'm really yep. eager to see what, yep. what comes to that. So um, going back to the hunger aspect, so you said, hey, what really drove you, the hunger that you had, was really being sick of not having anything, right? Yep. So now that you have stuff, now mm-hmm. that you've you know grown a successful company and built yourself into a seven-figure person is what I would call it, like, how, what do you do to keep that hunger there? Keep it, keep it going. It's not, it's, it's really, so motivation changes, right? Like when I was a kid, it was, I remember I put a Facebook post up 
was like 22. And I was like, if I could just make a hundred grand a year, I'd be set. It was the craziest thing. Like that was, that literally was like my goal. hundred grand. If I can make a hundred G's a year, I'd be set. Yeah. It popped up in my memories like three years ago and I laughed. Really? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like if I made a hundred grand right now, like in my position for like what I do, I, I literally would consider myself homeless. So, yeah. um, from, from my capabilities, you know what yeah. I mean? And so with that being said, it's, I really have just learned that it's never, there is not an end game. It's an infinite game. A lot of people that get into business, they have this picture painted of, I'm going to do this, this, I'm going to build my company, this, I'm just going to sell my company. And it never, almost ever works out that way. And it's really, it's it's a frustrating way when you think about that, because at that point, you always have your eye on a finish line. At that point, you're always like, okay, I'm just aiming for this, this $10 million valuation of my business so I can sell it and go sit pina coladas on a beach. When in reality, if you just fall in love with the process of growing every year, right? Like if you were to ask me when I very first got into real estate, I'll never have a team. I didn't want one. Like my first team, I did literally, I, I had to have it out of necessity because I got so busy. My wife, literally was like you're hiring somebody i said no hell no when i left corporate america i don't want to work for anybody i'm working for myself grew a team grew and successful found out you know i really love taking people that have a passion for real estate and teaching them how to do a business i I was good at it ran a successful team i'll never own a freaking brokerage i don't forget that way too much overhead too much work too much responsibility here i am right (laughs) so if i were to follow that rule of my whole life's planned out right instead of just having an open mind to things, right? What feels good? What feels right? What opportunities cross my plate and what's next? I could be doing something completely different in the next 20 years. I don't know, you know, but as long as I love doing what I'm doing and as long as I still see that there's runway to grow, I'm going to keep doing that. Yeah. And I tell people that in business all the time. I'm like, don't lock yourself into one thing. There is a thing where you have to stay consistent, right? There's an opposite side of that where you get these young guys that are like every, you see it every other month, they're doing something new. I'm, I'm selling friggin', you know, this whatever, you know, MLM program and I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And you're like, holy crap, dude, like you're not giving yourself enough time for your seeds to plant, you know, that you put down. But I, at this point in my career to to answer your question, to keep it going, it's an infinite game. Like I couldn't even see myself retiring. I don't even know what that would look like. I, it looked to me, it looks like depressing. Yeah. Boring. (laughs) uh, Yeah. Like when I picture myself like retired and just traveling around and sitting, like it doesn't even, and now could that change? Maybe, but Right now, I'm just more focused on like, hey, how can we continue to grow? How can we get better? How can we focus? And then as long as I keep that mission, naturally, things behind me are going to grow. I don't get tied to a dollar amount. I don't get tied to a, here's my exit plan. I don't tie to any of that. It's just every year, am I moving forward? Every year, is my income growing? Every year, is my business growing? Every year, am I growing? And that's all my field goal is, is every year to make sure that it's a little further and a little further and a little further. And where the chips lie in that, I'm okay with. Yeah, that's fantastic. So yeah, that, that was pretty much every single question that I had. I mean, we really just want to dig into like what you do and kind of your perspective on everything. How can people get a hold of you if they want to, you know, buy a home, sell a home? Yep. All over social media, Blake underscore sells underscore AZ, Facebook, Blake Clark. I'm all over there, all over the internet. Just Google it. So. Yeah, we'll have your links at the bottom of the page for all you guys that want to, you know, like I said, he's a great realtor. Um, we've been able to do some work on his house. And so we've gotten <laughs> to be able to see a different kind of side of him, especially from business a- aspect and really um, kind of working together as a team to kind of make his house come to life. So it's been fantastic. He's a great guy. Like I said, there's nobody else that would be better to sell your home or help you find a home. So yep. that's Blake Limitless Realty. Thank you guys for tuning in to Homework Assignment and stay tuned for the upcoming episodes. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it.